how many of you like to share? Okay, remember now, you're raising your hands. We will be passing the offering plate in a few minutes to, uh, to put that uh, to uh, a test to see if that's true. You know, when it comes to sharing money, that, that's a little bit more difficult. How about your dessert? Do you like to? I do not like to share my dessert. My theory is if you want it, you get it. Amen? Keep your fork out of my stuff, okay? Advice, though. Most of us are pretty good at sharing advice, aren't we? We, we don't mind doing that. We don't mind telling people uh, our opinions or our thoughts. What about sharing Jesus? And I'm not just talking about evangelistically, uh, but in, but in an all-encompassing way. Do you like sharing Jesus? We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to be talking about one of the effects of Christmas ought to be, if it's in you, it ought to come out of you. And if you have a piece of paper uh, and some uh, a pen, or you have your phone and you won't play on it, you'll take notes for your iPad... I want you to write down the names of four or five people that you'll be seeing in the next week or two. That Christmas list. Now, this is just for you. You're not going to turn it in or do anything with this. Totally just for you. Write down the names of some people. Maybe these are people you see regularly. Maybe some of them aren't. Maybe it's a a grandparent or a grandchild or a son or a daughter, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle. Maybe you're going to have some people over for Christmas or New Year's. Write four or five names down. And and here's what I want you to do. You're not being judgmental. But I want you to make uh, an assessment of where you think that person is with the Lord. Do, Do you look at these lists? Is there people on there that, honestly, if you had to go to their funeral next week, you'd be concerned about where they are eternally? Maybe they're not Christians. That's not being judgmental. Judgmental is like, they're going to hell and I'm happy they're going to hell. That's judgmental. But when you say, you know, I'm concerned about someone's spiritual condition, that's not judgmental. Maybe there'll be people or people on your list that just aren't where they need to be with Jesus. At one time, they really walk with God, but they're not there anymore. Maybe there's going to be, and I guarantee you, there's going to be people on your list, it's in your head or on your paper, who are hurting, who have financial problems, marital problems, they're sad, they're depressed, they're lonely. Put an asterisk there by their name, and then let's move into the sermon. Hold on to that list. We'll go back to it in a moment. But let's begin foundationally. Christmas is about encountering Jesus. Christmas, first and foremost, and I am all for the gifts, the packages, the Santa Claus, the elf on the shelf. I am 100% for all that. But ultimately, it's about encountering Jesus. Verse 8 and 9, it says that that night there were shepherds, that night is the night Jesus was born, staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Okay, these are shepherds out doing what shepherds do. They weren't having, as far as we know, a Bible study, a prayer time. This wasn't a men's meeting group. They were guarding the sheep. And, and the traditional shepherd's field, we believe, is about three-quarters of a mile from uh, Bethlehem. We have a picture uh, of this. When, and that's Bethlehem you see off in the distance. When Cindy and I were blessed to be in Israel several years ago, 
we got to go to Bethlehem and see where they believed Jesus was born. And on the way back to Jerusalem, it was about 5 o'clock at night. The sun was starting to go down. And you could see to, to uh, the right of us, there was these rolling pastures. And I, I wondered, is that where those shepherds were that night? Well, they're out there. They're guarding the sheep. And in verse 9, it says that the glory of the Lord, literally what it means is the manifest glory of God surrounded them. Can you imagine that? These are dudes out just doing their job, and all of a sudden, the glory of God shows up. Wouldn't that be awesome? We'd have some deer hunters with heart attacks tomorrow morning if that happened, but wouldn't that be awesome? And then verse 10 and 11, man, these verses are so good. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I I love this. Angels can always tell us not to be afraid, right? That's easier said than done. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. Today, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, I want to unpack these verses with you. Verse 10, let's go back to it, how great it is. that The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you glad tidings. I bring you, I've got a great message for you. A great message that's going to bring great joy. It's going to bring not just joy. It's not just a great message. It's a great message that's going to bring exuberant abundance of joy. Joy means a superabundance of joy there. I've got a message for you that is unbelievable, is what the angel is saying. And look who it's for. It's only for the Baptist. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's to all people. How many of you are included in all people? Most of you. Verse 11. Verse 11. And listen to the words in verse 11. He says the Savior has been born. Now to the... To, these were probably Jewish men, Jewish shepherds. And they, they lived in a, a Roman world. And, and the, the, the Caesar, the king, was called the Savior. The word Savior means a deliverer. It means a, a divine appointed person of God. They're, they're putting this baby on the level with the king of the land and saying, listen, somebody's been born, and this dude, he is the Savior. Not only is he the Savior, he is the Messiah. Some translations put the Christ there. Christ is Greek, Messiah is Hebrew. These Jewish people, this would have been unbelievable because they've been looking for the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the promised one of God, coming in the line of David that was going to deliver the Jewish people. He has been born... Remember, he's not just for Jewish people. He's for all people. And he is the Lord. And you go, well, we hear the word Lord a lot. Jesus is Lord. Lord means master. Well, let me, let me give you a little background. And I've, I've, talked, I've said this before. This is it's so important. Remember, the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. By Jesus' time, they had translated the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek. Because most people spoke Greek. It was called the Septuagint. So the Septuagint is the Hebrew Old Testament translated to Greek. It's a Greek Old Testament. The word Lord, kuros in the Greek, was used throughout the Old Testament to talk about God the Father. God is kuros. God is Lord. The Father is Lord. He's kuros. And now they're saying the Savior, the Messiah, kuros, Lord, God has been born in Bethlehem in the city of David. Does that not excite you a little bit? 
I, I mean, can you imagine what these Jewish guys were thinking? They're going, oh my goodness, the Savior, the Messiah, God in the flesh has been born. This is what Christmas is ultimately about. God in the flesh has been born in verse 12. Verse 12, and you will recognize him by this sign because he's going to have a crown on his head, a purple diaper, a purple robe, and there's going to be all these guards around him. No, he's going to be wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. That's the way they did babies. Lying in a manger. How many of you know what a manger is? Away in a manger, no crib. You know what a manger is? It's a cattle trough. It's an animal feeder. I'm trying to get Wayne to change those words. Away in an animal feeder. No, that, that just doesn't sing as well, does it? Clayton was going to do the solo this year with that. Jesus is born in a barn. Maybe in a cave. They use caves as, as barns. And I'm sure they cleaned it out. I, I mean, don't think nasty, but the baby was laid. His first bed was where you put animals or where animals eat out of. If this was 2015, Child Protective Services would be called on Joseph and Mary, wouldn't they? Think about this. Jesus is 10 years old, and he leaves the door open. And one of his, you know, his grandmother, somebody says, Jesus, were you born in the barn? Yep, sure was. Bethlehem. <laughs> I was born in the barn. How many of you know who Beyonce is? Beyonce. I dated her before Cindy and I got together. We were just different. We were different. Beyonce, and like a lot of entertainers, uh, her list of demands when she, like if she was going to come sing at a revival for us next year, which she's not, uh, her demands uh, are, are unbelievable. This is just some of them. She, she demands that, that you have water for her entourage that is at 69.8 degrees. 71, 65, throw it out. You have to provide titanium straws for them to drink out of. I don't know what a titanium straw is. They cost $900. That's a good straw, isn't it? <laughs> the bathrooms have to have new commode seats and red toilet paper. I have I've thought about that all week. I have no idea. The dressing rooms have to be completely refurbished and People say that the dressing room that she demands is big enough to put in most athletic teams that are coming in for a game. And yet the Son of God is born. He's born in a barn in his first bed. And I'm not kicking Beyonce. I'm just making an observation. His first bed is a, a, an animal's feeding trough. Isn't that incredible? Verse 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly the angel, one angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. One angel was there and all of a sudden it says an army of angels. Maybe that was a battalion, 5,000 angels. Maybe it was 20,000. Can you imagine? These dudes go out to just to do their job. They're confronted by the manifest presence of God and then an army of angels. It's just not incredible. Incredible. And look what happens in verse 15 through 17. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, and, and the verbiage here is like they kept saying, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. There was there with the baby lying in the manger. 
And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. I'll leave that verse there. After seeing him, that biblical word seeing there, to see, it doesn't mean just to make eye contact with, like, like you know, sometimes you do at church or, or sometimes, you know, you're, you just look at somebody but it doesn't mean anything. It means that, that they saw him and that they left different, that they had an experience with Christ here. Some scholars say it's the difference in understanding grief academically. Yes, I studied grief in class and experiencing grief, two different things. They didn't just know about Jesus or didn't just see Jesus. They had an experience, an encounter with Jesus Christ. And, and you know, it, that, that's so awesome when you think about everything that happens in this story and how it unpacks that these guys met Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that this, this morning, but not only this morning, this week, and, and I pray the rest of your life will be about having an encounter with Jesus, God in the flesh coming to earth for you and me. But, but see, it doesn't stop there. And here's the second thing. When we really encounter Jesus, you want to share him. When you've really had an encounter with Jesus, you want to share him. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. I, I read this week a statistic that was mind-blowing. It said 53% of people who profess to be Christians, that's the key, that profess to be, say, you don't have to share your faith. You don't have to evangelize or share Christ with other people. That's just an option. I want to tell you, first of all, they must be illiterate because if you've ever read the Bible, you know that's not true. But, but I want to say this too. Probably part of the problem is a lot of those people have never experienced Jesus. Because when Jesus gets in you, he comes out of you, doesn't he? And I'm not trying to be ugly, but see, some of you go out, you know, sharing Christ, talking to other people about Jesus. That's just not my thing. He's not, he's not in you. He's here, maybe. But when he gets in you he, you, you, want, he wants to come out of you. And you want to share him. When you experience something that's wonderful and you love it and appreciate it, you don't mind talking about it, do you? Let me give you an example. I'm just going to use schools so I won't. If I get into restaurants, we'd be here all afternoon. So I'm just going to talk about schools. It's not hard for me to promote Louisiana Tech. I didn't go to Tech, but I've been here 13 years. I love Tech. I, a lot of people in my church graduated from Tech. A lot of my people work at Tech. I don't have a problem promoting Tech because it means something to me. I don't, I, Grambling. I love Lance. I really like Coach Fobbs. I don't have a problem promoting Grambling because... I, I, my experiences with it and with the people there. I don't, have, I, I don't have any problem talking up all the Ruston schools because I believe in them. I've got people who work in those schools and, and that, that teach in those schools and that coach in those schools. And, and, and I don't have any problem going to Ruston High football games and, and shouting as loud as I'll shout. And supporting them because I love the coaches and I believe in them. See, it's natural, isn't it? And, and, and I love Cedar Creek. I've got two granddaughters. They're perfect. Their mother is very imperfect, but they're, you know, they're perfect. And, and Alicia just woke up on that one, didn't she? 
And, and I have other students at Cedar Creek, and I have teachers at Cedar Creek, and, and so I don't have any problems supporting Cedar Creek or, or Simsboro or Shuger because I've got people who go to school there, who teach there. And, and what I'm trying to say is when you've experienced something and you love something and you love the people involved, you don't mind talking about it, do you? No, you don't. And listen, part of Christmas is it's not meant to be kept a secret. If you've encountered him, share him. Here's the question. I don't know what to say. What do I say to people? What do I tell them? Let me give you two things. Number one, share your encounter. Share your story. In verse 17, it says, After seeing him, the shepherds broke down in the Hebrew and the Greek the languages that the angels used and explained diligently in six-hour Bible studies on what they had encountered. They told everyone what had happened to them and what, the, what they'd seen and heard. If you have a story, that's your starting point. Listen, every Christian, every Christian has a before and after story, don't they? Before I was saved and how I was saved. I went to school for a long time after college, theological schools. The best, the best way I share my faith with people is not opening a book of the Bible and expounding Greek and Hebrew words to him. You know what it is? It's sharing my story. I was lost. Here's how I got found. Here's what Jesus means to me. Share your story. You have a before and after story. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. Share the story that, that God has done to you. Here's the second thing. Just share what you know. Share what you know. Here's what people say. I hear this all the time. This is one of your fears. It's one of my fears too. I don't know if, if I'll have the answers. Don't you, don't you worry about that? Well, if I talk to Uncle Mel at Christmas, he's going to pin me on the wall because he knows physics, and he's going to be able to explain why if God existed, why is this, this, and that? Who cares? Uncle Mel may be able to pin you on the wall about physics. Share what you know. These shepherds were lower class in a lot of ways in their society. If they were literate, they were barely literate. They didn't break into great theological discussions. You know what they shared? They shared what they knew about Jesus. They just told people what they had experienced and what they knew. You know what? You don't have to be a medical expert to tell somebody about a good doctor, do you? Correct? You've had a good doctor? Tell somebody about him. What do you tell people this year? What do you tell them the rest of your life? You share your story. Your story of salvation, but your story of how God's helped you financially, how God's helped you through depression, how God's helped your marriage, how God's answered prayers. Your, t- your testimony is far more than just your salvation story. Share your story and share what you know. What you know ought to be growing all the time. But listen, people are going to ask you questions you can't answer. Here's what you tell them. I don't know. You build, you build cred when you tell them that. But here's the second thing you say, I'll find out. And you call one of your ministers. You, and listen, it happens to me regularly. People ask me, so I don't know, but I've got phone numbers of people who do. So I'll try to help you, or we'll call somebody who can, and I've got a lot of books. We'll find. If it's answerable, we will answer. How much does God weigh? We can't answer that, okay? 
You know, how old is God? That's not answerable. Don't fall in the trap of keeping your mouth closed because your pride, you don't want to look silly or be embarrassed. J.I. Packer was a, a, a good Bible teacher and scholar. Here's what he said about Christmas, and I'm paraphrasing it. He said, Christmas is, is God coming to humanity. It's God coming to a broken, sad, hurting humanity. It's God coming to humanity with a message of hope, a message of forgiveness, a message of pardon, a message of a second, a third, listen, a tenth and a twenty-fifth chance. It's a message to be embraced. And it's a message to be shared. Wouldn't you agree with that? And I want to give you one last thought, and that's this. The stakes are very high here. This isn't a scrimmage. Life is not a practice game. And what we do and how we share, if we simply believe the Bible, really matters. I want to look at the negative side of it first. Romans 10, 13 may be my favorite verse. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that great? But verse 14 gets a little more cloudy. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe if, if they've never heard? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Listen, you have family members who are lost. You've got friends who are lost, who are separated from God. And and some of us are counting on them coming to Jesus by osmosis. Because they're kin to us, God's just going to let them in. Or, Or we say, well, they're sincere and they're pretty nice. It's hard to say, man, I just don't think that person knows Christ and they're headed for trouble. The Bible throws the ball back at you and me. How can they respond if someone doesn't tell them? You are someone. We we take up what we call a Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. We do it every year at Christmas. And this is an offering that goes strictly for international missions, missions outside of America. I want you, uh, you know, what we encourage people to do is to tithe, and the give to offerings as you can above and beyond that. Here's, here's why that Lottie Moon is so valuable. They estimate that up to 1.2 billion, 1.2 billion people have never heard the gospel. Can you imagine that? 1.2 billion people have never heard that Jesus loves them, Jesus died for them, He arose for them, and that he'll save them if they ask. 1.2. And if we believe what Romans 10, 14 said just there, that's people in trouble, isn't it? Part of the way, listen, by giving my money to that, I'm helping spread the gospel. By sharing with people at Christmas, by sharing with people this week or next week, I'm helping share the gospel. How are they going to know if somebody doesn't tell them. I want you to look at verse 10 again. Verse 10, it says, in Luke chapter 2, 10, it says, this is great, will bring great joy to all people. This is not a private message. It wasn't just for Jewish people. 
It's not for a select group or a non-select group. It's for everybody. It's a message to be shared. What happens in the positive sense when we will share with people our Jesus stories? Verse 18 All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Astonished means they were affected by it. They were impacted by it. You see, the negative is some people will reject it. The negative is sometimes we don't tell and give people the opportunity. But there's going to be some people that we're going to to share Jesus with or we're going to share hope with. And we may see no reaction at all. Maybe even a negative reaction, but we planted a seed. Some people we're going to share with them, we may see them come to Christ over the Christmas turkey. Or, or we may see them, see them baptized in the next few weeks. But the truth is, if we would get out of our shell and man or woman up and start telling people about our Jesus, it will affect people. It will have an impact on people. I love verse 19 about Mary. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She pondered them. Think, think about this. Mary had got a message. Mary got a message from the, uh, the shepherd. She got it from, before this from an angel. And, and now she's getting it from these shepherds. And so she pondered them in her heart. I believe throughout the years that she thought about these things. These words they said encouraged and helped her. Listen, you know people who are Christians who are in a bad spot. They're away from Christ. They're depressed. They're sad. They're broken. You need to this Christmas share hope and love and Jesus with them. You can impact people that way. In Sydney, Australia, in the bay there in Sydney, there's a place called the Gap. And the Gap is a high cliff with a rocky edge and a rocky bottom. And it's a notorious place where people go to commit suicide. A man named Don Ritchie moved right by the gap for this specific reason. He said, I wanted to save lives. Don says most days he goes out, he stands on his balcony with his binoculars, and he watches. And when he sees people, and they start getting close to the edge, he'll put his binoculars up to see what he can read of their face and their, their temperament. And if he thinks they're fixing to do something terrible, he'll jump on his bike. He'll ride up there as quick as he can. He'll try to get them to come back to his house with him to have coffee. He'll visit with him. He'll share hope. He'll say, no matter what your problems are today, you, you want to live. There is, an, there is a tomorrow. There's hope. There's another opportunity. Don estimates he's been able to help 160 people stop from taking their lives. You're going to bump into somebody who's depressed and sad this Christmas. Share Jesus with them. Give them hope. Give them something they need to hear that will help them. And in verse 20, it just sums it up. The shepherds went back to their flocks. They glorified, praised God for all they had heard and seen. Listen to this last part. It was just as the angel had told them. I want you to get a hold of this. Someday, someday you and I are going to stand before God, and it's going to be just as God told us. Do you know that? Everything God said. It's going to be just as he told us. Heaven's real and wonderful. Hell is real and horrible. 
And Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the answer. It's going to be just as God told us. And so what I want to encourage you to do is you make sure you encounter him and then you spread the word about him. You will not be disappointed if you live your life with that direction. So I want you to look back at your list. Maybe it's your mental list. Maybe you wrote it down. What are you going to do with it this year? I want to encourage you to pray for these people every day. Pray and ask God to give you an opportunity to talk to him this Christmas. Look for those opportunities. And maybe there's a person or two you just need to be bold enough to talk to. To man or woman up and start the conversation. Aren't you glad the angels did to the shepherds? And the shepherds did when they got the message? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, we're going to, I'm going to challenge you more in a moment. You're here today and you're not a Christian. I want to challenge you right where you're seated to pray with me. You're ready to do this? Pray and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and you died for me. And arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I sincerely surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. I want to challenge you. Respond to what God said to you. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus in your heart. Are you ready to do that? When we stand, you come today. Come, respond to the message of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. We're going to be a church that wants to encounter Jesus and share Him. That's what you're looking for. Come and join us today. Christian, maybe where you're standing or at the altar, today needs to be a time of repentance. Or maybe commitment where you say, God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life pursuing you and sharing you. What a way to invest your life. Let's stand and let's make the right choices this morning.